0: Hello and welcome back to The Latecomers. I'm Amity. I'm Lemieux. And we watch the stuff that you've already seen, probably. But maybe not. Apparently, people my age and younger don't watch anything old.
1: Quote, old. It's not old. <laughs> it's so, I watch silent films routinely.
0: Uh, yeah, they're I wonderful. Say, uh, yeah. Did you ever see <laughs> The Artist? It's a new silent film.
1: No, I didn't see it. It's a new <laughs> silent film. It feels like a little hypocritical somehow.
0: None of that makes any sense. Anyways, we watched The Godfather this week. I had never seen it. Never seen it. Had you seen it?
1: I saw um I saw it run on television when I was really young. Oh. And so half of it was not chopped up. <laughs> and um I think James Conn calls someone a son of a beast. I'm not sure.
0: Uh yes, I would think that there would be Back some.
1: in the old days when you sh- broadcast movies that were broadcast on television, They edited out the swear words and added other things.
0: They still do that. Um, They do it a lot of times for uh, the airplane run Mm -hmm. of movies. And I know you're allowed to do ADRs of your own. So there Mm -hmm. are directors who... like I think it was Joss Whedon? I don't remember exactly who it was. But there was somebody who just made up the most ridiculous things to cover up the swears and then Mm -hmm. had the actors ADR them. So they're just saying... Nuts and bolts, <laughs> like just a crazy stuff. So,
1: it's not so big a deal now in the age of cable television when you can see a movie broadcast pretty much the way it was intended, except, of course, for the format.
0: Right, but even that, depending uh, on your TV, I mean, at least it's not in a square.
1: Right, but well, I and mean, old movies before the, the movie revolution in the 50s were, were in squares, you know, that, mm-hmm. that, actually that format's true. But um, when I was a kid, it was a big deal to see a theatrical release on television, because you didn't get sort of... um,
0: It took a year and a half, 18 months or something like that? To even get to, like, the cable channel. Right.
1: So we would watch things like Jaws or whatever on broadcast TV, and The Godfather, I remember, there was an actual host who came out before the program to explain that what you were going to watch was very adult in nature.
0: Send the kiddos to bed.
1: Right, so send the kiddos to bed. And it would have these discretion, parental discretion advised viewings. And you would get that even for like a Bond movie. Mm-hmm. And the, I think the funniest example of that was watching, for some reason, NBC broadcast Fort Apache, the Bronx, which was a crime movie with, with um, Paul Newman.
0: Uh huh. And
1: working in the worst part of New York at the time. And everyone's running around calling each other a mother grabber.
0: Like, mother Grabber? That's what they dubbed okay. obviously That's a choice.
1: It was obviously somebody else's voice. So was that it dirty, one dude? Mother Grabber? Right? One dude just <laughs> said, said that one
0: thing right. and they just plugged <laughs> it in over and over again.
1: That's pretty much what it sounded I like. That. And I'm like, I don't know what that one is, but they all seem to be really serious about saying that to each other. So little did I know.
0: So before we get into the meat of the episode, mm-hmm. uh, how was your week?
1: It was interesting.
0: It was interesting. It was very
1: interesting.
0: Is that all you have to say? It probably <laughs> It was interesting for personal and private reasons that no, nobody needs to know It was, just, was not as it
1: productive. At. It was one of those weeks where you started out thinking you had all the energy and the inertia to go and do everything you needed to do. And by the end of it, you did absolutely nothing. Oh, yeah. I week. went
0: out of inertia by 10 a.m. on Monday <laughs> right? morning. So um, I, on the other hand, was extraordinarily busy. Yes. Life changes are afoot. And also, I went to see a movie. You went with me. She did. He snuck out. I couldn't even tag him in Facebook. So, we went to see a wrinkle in time. We'll talk about it later. That means I liked it. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, let's dive into this. So, I want to do two things before we get started Mm -hmm. with the meat of the recap. Oh, guys, if you haven't seen The Godfather, we're about to spoil the shit out of it for you. But... Here's an interesting thing. When we were watching it, I knew everything that was going to happen, even though I literally never seen a single second of it because it is extraordinarily woven into culture at Mm -hmm. this point. So I, one of the things, the first thing I want to do is I want to look back at Wednesday, the 15th of March, 1972. That's when this movie came out. It came out on a Wednesday. They knew it was going to be big, I guess. Here's what happened on that day. One. Mark Hoppus, that's the lead singer of Blink-182. Uh-huh. Hey, James, it's a crossover. <laughs> and uh, he was born on that day. And the other things that came out this week were Pink Flamingos and Slaughterhouse-Five. Wow. So it's like a big week at so the weird. cinema. Yeah.
1: Um,
0: and this is everybody. a time when I feel like movies stayed in the theater for a long time because there were not that many movies coming out. But maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm totally wrong about that. That looks like about it. Not a lot going on. Mostly this. Mostly this movie came out. And this movie became the best picture of the following year. Or of this year. Mm -hmm. One of the following year of course. It was the highest grossing film of nineteen seventy two. And for a while the highest grossing film of all time. I wonder if that's adjusted for inflation. I probably they keep they do that because, like, right. the number one film of all time still mm-hmm. is *Gone with the Wind*, and it's because it's adjusted for inflation. And that's a movie that I think was in theaters for what, like, right. eighteen months or something. I,
1: it's to me, it's baffling. I never cared for it, but then again,
0: it's not my jam. Um, yes,
1: a little too much melodrama and no dinosaurs or kung fu. So, nope, no dinosaurs,
0: was, no dancing girls, no kung fu. Right. So that means none, it's none a bad of the saving
1: graces <laughs> that I look for in a movie.
0: Um. So what I wanted to do real quick was uh, let you know what I knew about this movie Mm -hmm. uh, before we started watching this movie. I knew it was about gangsters. Mm -hmm. I knew it was based on a book. I knew leave the gun and take the cannoli. I knew it's business, not personal. I knew both of those things because I've seen You've Got Mail a lot of times and... (laughs) Uh, Tom Hanks's character in that movie loves The Godfather. But then I knew things like when they were setting up a hit, I knew that they were going to put the gun in the toilet. Like, I don't know why I knew that. Probably because 400 other movies have done it since then. Right. Uh, but as we were watching it, I was like, is this what's about to happen? And you're like, I'm not telling you.
1: <laughs> it's like, I this sounded totally a little more butch when to I happen. said that, though, to be honest.
0: So I, uh, yeah, I guessed a lot of it prior. Well, I think that
1: there's a, Norm Macdonald had a TV show, and Abe Vigoda was a guest on the program.
0: I know him as Fish.
1: And on the closing credits, they did a recreation of his final scene in The Godfather. Oh. This is how much
0: <laughs> wow, it that's seeped funny. into
1: consciousness. Sort of like we were talking about last week with that um, Cowboy yeah where there's a Muppet character named after a yes. character in an x-rated movie yeah and to tell you like a personal uh version of this how it seeped into my consciousness even though i'd seen it When I was young and I hadn't really seen it since, when I had my wisdom teeth removed.
0: Did you feel like you were Vito Corleone? Well, what happened was, (laughs) I
1: came out of the anesthesia apparently flirting with the nurse. Despite, I can't remember any of this. Ah, this
0: leads into my anesthesia philosophy of life. You are your truest self when you wake up from anesthesia. You flirt with somebody. I... Ask people if I was any trouble while I was unconscious. Oh, I'm sorry. So that's who my true self is.
1: That was the first thing I did when I came out of anesthesia. And then the nurse promptly stuffed my mouth full of... Cotton. uh, At which point, because my face was suddenly very jowly, I started doing a Marlon Brando impersonation. I'm sitting in the backseat of my mom's car with my mouth stuffed with cotton, saying things like, I thought it was a And it was Barzini all along.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So you did know
1: some stuff. I I, I remembered it under anesthesia. Let's
0: talk about that makeup for a second. All right. Because that makeup is award-winning, right? This is
1: Dick Smith. He's
0: like a genius. And Mm -hmm. if you want old age makeup done, you get this man. And the makeup is very good. right? But also, at no point do I look at Marlon Brando and go, well, that's definitely what that man looks like. Mm. I, every time I saw him, I thought, it's good makeup. <laughs> well, <laughs> he doesn't look naturally himself, maybe because nobody's face shape is that. Like, he's got a jowly face on, like, a regular person body. Apparently, he had his body and his face
1: He disappeared the makeup by going into the screen test, stuffing stuff into his mouth.
0: Right, but because, is that what the book says?
1: I don't know. I never mm. read the book. I feel that or he said that he was going for a bulldog.
0: Right. And he and, and he pulls it off and it's a very distinctive thing and you know right. when people do that face and do right, that exactly. voice they're doing Vito Corleone but then you see like weirdly in 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 one of the scenes and I'll I'll, I'll mention when we get to it uh-huh. you know he stands up and you see his whole body and his head that we've been looking at you see his face mostly um or and he's sitting behind a desk or whatever for a lot of the the parts of it when you see all of him he's like a fit dude like he's got a little bit of a belly but it's not protruding in any great way he's not his his jolly (laughs) face is the only part of him that's the part of a quote big guy i mean he's a Mm-hmm. He's a tall, right. I, I assume. But um,
1: by the time he got to Apocalypse Now, his body filled out to the rest of his face. We're used to a very large, just the same way that the score people are used to a very large Orson Welles, and you look yeah. at him in Citizen Kane, and you're like, oh no, 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 he he
0: was a fit dude, but he, he was, was also 24 in right, Citizen Kane. Right, he was 24. And
1: he was six foot two, and he was gangly, and, and, and I um, don't know
0: that I'd call Orson Welles gangly, even at his
1: well, he got lightest. more stocky as he went along, but that first movie, he's very kind of lean and then you know and marlon brando Mm. the the last thing i saw him in was the score
0: i don't know Mm. if that's the last (laughs) which which while i was in the movie theater i made it just a full-on ass of myself because he came on the screen well he didn't come on the screen the the camera panned to him because he was seated at the time and i yelled yelled in a theater with other patrons Holy shit, I thought he was dead. <laughs> because I 100% thought Marlon Brando had died, like... Yeah. Maybe in, like, 1974.
1: I didn't know. Brando's <laughs> a... He's a, a hard one, because... He got weirder and Weirder, but worse. he was also impossible to work with. Yeah. Like, um, he became set, a
0: complete asshole.
1: On the set of The Score, which was directed by Frank Oz... mm mm-hmm. He would tell. I
0: forgot about that. He would
1: tell Robert De Niro. He wouldn't speak to Frank Oz because he thought oh, it was beneath him. Oh, that's
0: why he said he, he called he him Miss Piggy or whatever. He told Frank
1: uh, Robert De Niro, go tell Miss Piggy, this is what I'm going to do. That's and he up. would never sort of break from that. Apparently,
0: especially given like mm. how talented Frank Oz right. is across a multitude of right. things. That's such just ugh. I bet he and Val Kilmer were just
1: joys to no, work with. That um, film is a notorious yeah. uh, example of...
0: Isn't there a documentary about... There's an about entire it?
1: film about <laughs> the making of the film.
0: We're talking about...
1: The Island uh, of Dr. Murrow. The Island
0: of Dr. Morrow from the 90s. Right. 94, I think. The film that I just think?
1: jumped the rails and went... And there's a very good version of it with Charles Lawton, who also could well, he be... excellent. Right, he's excellent. He could be difficult only because he was trying to really nail the part. And once he did, or once he got the director's vision, he was not only very easy, but very enthusiastic. Yeah. But Brando always had kind of an issue, and I think that this movie but built up... I think up Brando
0: might have been... Uh, suffered the same uh, thing that John Lennon always... Well, that's
1: what I was going to say, struck, yes. ...struck,
0: struck me uh-huh. as suffering, which is he believed his own height. He
1: began to be, believe he was Marlon Brando. Yeah. And so I think this film is really what... He's the epitome of, don't you know who I am? Right.
0: But he's very good.
1: He fits the character very well. Yes. yeah, he does, and he did an excellent job. So I, and I can't. Yeah, I, his
0: especially his younger stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's mesmerizing right. to watch, and in this, he's very good. Right. But once again, he's under some makeup. There's no right. Uh, like, and I don't know if it was magical in 1972 when you saw it. Right. Um, if it was like this amazing feat, given. The combination of advancement in practical effects mm. and CGI now, now makeup looks like makeup to me.
1: Dick Smith was the advance guard of makeup at the time. Mm-hmm. It was the older makeup guys, the William Tuttles and the the Ben Nyes. Dick Smith was using the new technology and going all sorts of directions, and he was everywhere at this time.
0: But he also like excelled at old age makeup, right? Yes, like he basically he was doing this ruined
1: all the time.
0: Um. What's the name I'm thinking of? He ruined the priest from The Exorcist's career. Right.
1: Well, not ruined, I didn't right? well, start a career, but he that's unfair. definitely made a speed bump for um, Max von Sydow.
0: Max von Sydow, because the, everybody assumed he was old and he old was young. makeup
1: that he did for Max von was so convincing down to skin freckles and the whole bit, and liver spots, that people were... Convinced he was much older than he actually was, and he was no longer cast as a leading man.
0: That's so funny.
1: Um, and he became a character actor, which is funny because he was still young enough. That's a to be a leading. Here's man. Here's
0: another weird tangent. Mm-hmm. Why did they? They didn't need him young and old, right?
1: Mm-hmm. So I why think didn't they, there's they just There's a flashback scene in the beginning of the film, but um, still right.
0: one flashback scene. they I could haven't have seen it in a long time because, mo- I
1: think admittedly, most of what I did see was between my fingers. Uh. <laughs>
0: Because that's like um, in the alien... Um, not It's not an alien movie. What was it?
1: It was an alien movie.
0: No. I know it was an alien Prometheus. movie, but it wasn't called... Prometheus. Uh-huh. When Guy Pearce is in old age makeup for the whole time, and you're just waiting for the reveal of when he's not in old age makeup anymore, and then he's murdered horrifically, and you're like, well, then what that was, was the point?
1: That's right. <laughs> yeah. But Dick Smith was... The Exorcist. He was, I believe, his little big man, where he turned Dustin Hoffman into an 100-year-old 100, 100 Indian. He did. He was amazing at old age makeup. He revolutionized the way it was done, and he won many Academy Awards. And he revolutionized prosthetics uh, for makeup. So yeah, mm. this is the beginning of seeing that. There's some scenes where people in this film are shot. In the face? In the face, shot. yeah. And that kind of explosive squib, that kind of thing hadn't been done before. Interesting. So a lot of these were really new effects. They and it, it's so
0: to... old. Like, I'm watching, we're watching Jessica Jones, and right. there's squibs everywhere, right. and it's not.
1: And some of those aren't even practical anymore. No, that's true. And because it's safer, because basically a squib... a
0: squib is an explosive. An
1: explosive charge <laughs> that's on your face. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, it's a lot safer now.
0: All right. So you want to get into? Oh, yeah, so. I wanted to read the log line, um, mm-hmm. or what? At least what IMDb is says the log line is, which is a spoiler in itself. Um, and they this reads: the aging patriarch of an organized crime dynasty transfers control of his clandestine empire to his reluctant son. Now that reluctant son bit is a is a spoiler for right, the movie because exactly. <laughs> you're like. Well, the one he appears to be handing it over to doesn't seem reluctant at all. What's going to happen to Jimmy Con? Spoiler alert. Nothing good. <laughs> <laughs> nothing good happens to Jimmy Con. All right. Um, so let's go through this plot. All
1: right. Um, in 1945, at his daughter Connie's wedding, Vito Corleone, hears requests in his role as godfather, don of a New York crime family.
0: So the don is just like a... Like, um, honorific, mm-hmm. is that what it is? yeah um, so there's many dons in this movie. I originally thought that was his character's name, but his character's name like is in Vito. Donald
1: <laughs> no no
0: no, like yes, like short mm-hmm. for Donald right, like no. Sutherland. <laughs> like,
1: it's honorific in Spanish and Italian it's okay, a, but um and
0: I wasn't sure i f- I had forgotten
1: uh-huh.
0: and yes, it's based on a book, so it makes a lot of sense. I thought it took place in the seventies. No. But it doesn't. This is a period piece. It takes place in the 40s. No,
1: the um, the second film will be more contemporaneous with when the film was made. Closer okay. to. Closer to, okay. But um, this takes place right after the Second World War. Um, right after, because it's 1945. And I really have to say, in terms of being a student filmmaker, that opening scene, and not the opening scenes in terms of the wedding, but the opening scene itself, the opening shots, which are... Um the man explaining to Don Vito about his daughter being What abused, he's there for, yeah. That was shown to us an example of how to open a film.
0: The, the opening scene to this movie is 20 minutes long. Like I would, say, I would call the, wedding, the, the, the entire open, wedding sequence it's a first the act. opening scene. Mm-hmm. It's way longer than I thought it was going to be. It's also
1: very complex. And you're getting all of the... It's a, he's seeing it very much as an opera yeah and it's very also like uh orson welles in touch of evil he has all of the characters from the film appear in yeah. one single here's shot everybody and here's how around. they're right.
0: attached to each other right so you oh who's that big scary guy oh right. that's
1: right and that's uh what happens here is that um uh, you're really taken from the point of view of michael who's returning home from the war yeah he's dressed in his military uniform he's a war hero Looking
0: is, so handsome, young Al Pacino
1: yeah, is. You was
0: very attractive. I was like, "Oh, that's why you're a movie star." Because he's seventy now, seventy five now.
1: This is the, what you're going to see a lot of as you're watching a lot of these movies. Because another film I think that we should watch, although it didn't win an Academy Award, was maybe was um, a film that I don't especially care for, but Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, because that changed movies a lot.
0: I've seen it. Okay. so we can't well I don't know if I've seen it all the way through we'll discuss but that's
1: another one where you're looking at these guys at the peak of their you're just
0: like look how handsome they are there's just
1: a lot of pretty men in that movie and you're looking and you're like
0: oh I like the same person my grandmother (laughs) likes. this is disconcerting
1: but um, I
0: still have a crush on David Jones from the monkeys (laughs) That's not healthy,
1: well, you have crushes on <laughs> actors at certain ages their lives, mm-hmm. right Young Michael is coming back from the war. he's decorated now, he comes to attend the wedding, and he's uh bringing his girlfriend Kay.
0: yeah who she's a blonde lady she
1: is of and you can cut this out later if you want to. She is the beckiest of Becky's in the world she, yeah, she is, no that's fair she's so. She's a wasp if right. uh, uh, Just...
0: the the waspiest wasp <laughs> right. who's ever has wasped. She is a nice coming from a wealthy family, I'm right. sure, who who made their money I don't know, in Possibly banking, maybe. Not in
1: drugs. Not sure. in
0: not in yeah. But the 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 other really super interesting thing about this is mm-hmm. she clearly knows that this is a Like a mob family. Like, Michael puts that shit on Front Street with his girlfriend. He's not hiding
1: it at all. And they're coming to the wedding. Now, I think Talia Shire, who's playing um, Connie. A
0: squeaker. All she does is squeal and cry and get punched.
1: In her performance when Johnny Fontaine shows up. He was a stand-in for Frank Sinatra. Yeah. He shows up to sing at her wedding. Because, again, this is a massive wedding. This is a a mob boss. There are other mob bosses there. There are Mm -hmm. FBI agents photographing people's cars and license plates to see who their known associates are. Yeah, known associates,
0: where I was like, oh, Mm -hmm. that's some real police work they're doing.
1: But um, at one point when Johnny Fontaine shows up to sing a song, she sees the other girls chasing after him and grabs his arm and runs, and she has this moment looking over her shoulder laughing because she knows she has Johnny Fontaine on her arm, and all these other girls don't.
0: Bitch, you just got married,
1: right? <laughs> but it's sweet second moment where Talia Shire gives this great performance of a woman who's just a spoiled brat. She
0: is a spoiled brat right. that doesn't excuse but, what ends up happening that to, what her, happens
1: to her, which is horrible. But mm-hmm.
0: yeah, well, her character is the least. the The women in this movie mm-hmm. are basically non-existent. Kay is the. St- quote-unquote, strongest Apollonia. woman. Well, Apollonia is there.
1: Mm-hmm. But we'll discuss Apollonia but say later. But she's
0: four lines in the whole movie? <laughs> I'm saying, no, and the Vito's wife is mm-hmm. there the whole time, right. but I don't know her name.
1: Yeah, and that was another part that I told you that uh, I had an issue with, the Sonny's wife is...
0: Oh, that's right. Beautiful, beautiful and there just to be treated on.
1: Yes, and, you know, uh, it's, so that whole... Two...
0: To brag on her husband's manhood mm-hmm. and then be cheated on; those are the right. two things As she's that she's bragging,
1: does. He, he she turns around to see him, you know, running off with one of the bridesmaids. He's um, not
0: cute. <laughs> Sorry, I don't. It's it's crazy because his wife is beautiful, right. and he's. I'm like, I think he lets her do it's things. That those, she doesn't let her do of
1: just because I can. There's yeah, a, no, no, it is, and
0: and but like this movie, uh, the Bechdel test is not even. Mm-hmm. I mean. The the women are solely there but as in the context to of the men. film.
1: It makes sense because they so scrupulously keep the women out of their business.
0: That's true,
1: and that's even the uh, what we'll eventually get to. The final shot of the movie is locking the women out. Yeah, no, that's true. So it could be very much that I'm sure that, and you're right. Vito's wife is I I don't know if she says any words in English at all. Um, sh- you hear remember.
0: her. Hurting the children right. or calling or them singing. to dinner, she sings, mm-hmm. but it's all I mean, it's so she's so peripheral, right. And he does mention that she's up there when he comes down,
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, at one point that she's up there crying because, right, well, well some things have right. happened, yeah. <laughs> so we shouldn't get that far ahead. So, so this opening scene is, um, is the wedding and this this person. And it's that famous scene that everybody has quoted. Right. You come to me...
1: On the day of my daughter's wedding. On the day of my
0: daughter's wedding, which apparently is a magical right. day in the Italian families, right. where... Sicilian uh, families, remember. S- it's oh, specifically specific Sicily. Sicilian culture. Um, where he can't refuse.
1: Right. And this goes back to, it really is... That's something that you'll see a lot in this film. It's really about tribalism. He's a tribal chieftain, yes. is what he is. Mm-hmm. And so there's all these strange, kind of very regal things, like there's a purse that everyone has to stuff money into. That was there's, probably
0: my favorite part of the right. thing. Was uh, one of the was it? It wasn't Fredo, but it was a it was one of the low level mm-hmm. guys at in their family. Right. right. Was like oh. Twenty five, thirty thousand dollars in small bills. Right. If it was somebody else's wedding, and <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, yeah, and you so don't want to fuck with to that. To clear it
1: up, there's the really the relationships you're gonna see are between uh, Don Vito and his two sons, Sonny are,
0: and Michael.
1: Sonny, no, three, He has three sons. But oh, the and two Fredo. Sons, Sonny and Fredo, <laughs> and then the prodigal kind of son who doesn't want to have anything to do with the business, and who it looks like Vito doesn't Voodoo want doesn't
0: him. Watch to have, right. have him do with he the business. He wants him to go legit, but. Vito also looks at his at Michael and sees himself, right. and yes, and is like, "Be the best version of me."
1: And he's a, this very quiet, kind of brooding, and that was Al Pacino's smart. thing at the time. Very smart, and so seeing that Fredo is kind of limp is the only word to describe yeah, him. He, he just,
0: just does not. He's a
1: very sad person, um, not sad as a person, but just sad. to you Yeah, feel he's sad.
0: pathetic, right? I think. And
1: Sonny is a blazing comet through the sky.
0: He's a hothead.
1: An incredible hothead who With just... With a
0: giant penis. Right, apparently. Thanks for that.
1: Um, but
0: that's mentioned.
1: Right. She like... She's... Holds her hands together and hands months, Yeah. Um, but so all that happens in the opening scenes. Also, there's another per- the adopted son, uh, which is Robert Duvall, a really young Robert Duvall. Yes. Who was a friend of Sonny from when they were kids, who had no family. He's been adopted. He's been put through law school. And now he's a counselor to Don Consiglieri. Vito. Consiglieri. so the film then goes and follows that character for a while. Yeah. Because
0: well, first mm-hmm. I do want to say this gentleman has come to Don Corleone to get to have him do a hit, basically, mm-hmm. on um, two men that attacked
1: his daughter, his, his daughter, beautiful back. daughter,
0: who's no longer beautiful. Who's no longer so beautiful. This is what women are worth. He's like, you didn't come to me as a friend. You came to me with the offer of money in return for murder. And that is some disrespectful-ass shit. Mm. And so the guy is like, uh, I come to you as a friend, which basically means... Do for me, and
1: I, I will owe you. It's a good didn't thing. didn't want to owe But you him. bring that up because that—that's the crux of what this is. Is that you? I, at some point, I'm going to ask you a favor, right? And no matter what it is, you cannot refuse that favor. And
0: also, I might never ask. you I might you a never favor. ask
1: you. So you're taking, like, you're gambling. Right, with but him.
0: but the other thing mm-hmm. is there is a level of uh, CYA with mm-hmm. this where right. I am not taking twenty five thousand dollars from you, right, and then. Hire or having one of my guys kill these people. That's right. not what's happening. We're having a conversation, and some things might happen to those people, but no money changed hands. So, yeah, we're um, gonna keep keep, keep our hands clean.
1: Why this. it was covered? That opening scene is covered was in in my screenwriting classes because this is a perfect way of introducing you to what's going on. His first lines are, "I believe in America," mm. and he goes on. This is the immigrant experience coming to America. I'm here, I believed in it, Everything is, when everything was working for me, America was fine. When I wanted justice, they laughed because my daughter's Italian and she's some sort of tramp and they deserve it, and the two young mm-hmm. men were white.
0: Oh, yeah, and... Uh, and remember,
1: no, don't, be very careful when you're watching this, too. The, as you're watching the film, remember, this is a time when Italians were not white. No. They were not considered... Yes,
0: they don't fall under the right. umbrella of, quote, whiteness, which is why whiteness is a construct, y'all, because you know who else wasn't white? Irish
1: people. Right. Who also, right.
0: So at a, cer- at and, a certain time. But you're
1: very aware of the fact...
0: There's a lot of the word guinea thrown right. around in this so movie. So if you're sensitive to... So there is some language. Pejoratives
1: against Italian people, there's an awful lot of them. And then there's some against Tom Hagen for no reason because he, he's representing... Yeah, There's a, the, the movie boss. So to, to go to that, um, Tom Hagen sent out an mission. This yes. is the, the consigliere. Uh, because Johnny Fontaine... Is concerned about getting a movie part.
0: Yeah, his voice is going. Mm -hmm. And so he's afraid he's going to diminish. Like his fame is going to go away if he can't sing. So he wants to be in this big movie. And this big movie producer has basically said, fuck you. Mm -hmm. There's no way in hell that you're going to be in this movie. He says it later way more colorfully than I just did.
1: Right. <laughs> Using lots of expletives. But, um, and there's a great scene there for Robert Duvall too where he's at first just rebuffed and yeah. then once the producer finds out that he represents Vito Corleone he takes him more seriously and invites him to dinner. The same explosion of temper. And there's a really funny scene where, and it's not funny in a you know, uh
0: it is comedic. yeah, but it, no, but it right. is funny because, yeah,
1: he's invited to a very expensive what looks like a very expensive dinner. and then the producers explain to it,, uh, you know, uh, Tom, yeah. why there's not going to why he's not going to hire Johnny Fontaine for this movie,
0: which what was his reason?
1: His reason was that he was coaching a beautiful young girl,
0: oh, that's right. right. And by coaching, you're mispronouncing.
1: Fucking. Well, he's doing something because he does at one <laughs> because point. Because he says he's he the best on, piece of ass right, he, he ever had. He starts out with once again I her voice ladies. lessons. I give her dance lessons. I give her, yeah. and then he just gives up and says, "Let me be frank with you, as a man, because again, we're talking man to man, right? Ugh. She's Love the best me. piece of ass I ever had." And she runs away with Johnny Fontaine, and she gets uh, addicted to, to smack later on, and she you know has all these issues. So it's his fault, and so it was really kind of just um, a. Bull thing, you know. I didn't even
0: get team. the drug thing. I thought it was mm-hmm. just she left me for him. Right. And she's not gonna do the movies. I no, I whether or not Johnny Fontaine is responsible for. for the
1: drug addiction is, is Who knows. neither here nor there. The thing is, again, it was an affront to him as a producer. Right. Strangely, this attitude has not changed in film producers for yeah. no, right. very long time.
0: You he took my yeah. property and so he gets nothing. So And and as he gets he's getting heated more and more heated. Tom is just taking bigger bites of food right. faster. Like he's, I'm getting through this meal because I'm going to get kicked out here. In he's second. wolfing
1: down this meal because he knows it's very expensive and knows that he's about to get thrown out. So he's stuffing himself, I and mean, it's a very funny, and then very you find summer. out
0: you you hear the line or he says the line. You know, uh, mm-hmm. Mr. Corleone is a man who doesn't like to wait for bad news. So right. he's getting on a plane right then. He says, and I guess mm-hmm. he does. But
1: the the scene that. Is one of the, the, the uh the points that everyone remembers about this film yeah. involves this producer's love of thoroughbred horses.
0: Yes. He paid six hundred thousand dollars for a horse that he's not gonna race, he's only gonna stud. Which just briefly, um, how is it worth anything to stud a horse if you don't have like a like a racing history? Like it's a fancy horse and it comes from a good bloodline, but if it doesn't prove itself on the track Mm -hmm. I mean I don't know I don't know anything about horses clearly so that was my first thought I was like okay but you do get your money back that way and it's not going to break its leg so
1: (laughs) this particular horse um, is one of the early casualties of the film yas and that's the scene that everyone remembers because it is very shocking and
0: it it's it might have been shocking then Uh because it is in I saw the Simpsons do it yeah. I, I mean, I've seen the scene hundreds of times in this, other things, it feels like. And this like. is
1: something that I, I have to comment on. People are much more sensitive to animals being injured. In the oh, lives. 100%. I remember a person, or I know of a person, who refuses to watch The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo because a cat gets killed.
0: There are websites dedicated yeah. to whether or not animals are hurt in movies because people will make decisions on whether to watch a movie. Right, because but in
1: the course of this movie, a girl is raped. Her, then she turns and rapes her rapist. Uh, there's several women murdered by a serial killer. But the cat is what was the tipping oh, point. Oh, you're talking. That,
0: I'm like. I thought you were talking about this. No, movie. the girl I'm with like, dragon tattoo. I don't remember any of that. But yes, uh, yeah. you're right. Yeah.
1: And, and so, but I'm going. Really, that was that was that was where you stuck. You know, you could have put up with everything else except for the cat. So.
0: It, well, because people have mm-hmm. free will. Right. And the animal does not. For, hurt. but uh, also another, that animal did not good die. Another good example
1: in, um, uh, the Ring, the American remake of the Ring. I know people who are Oh, the horses. By single that's horse train. That's rough
0: to watch, though.
1: Yeah, but again, people are you know, slaughtered by...
0: Honestly, the trailer for the right. new Jurassic World movie, when you're seeing those dinosaurs go over the cliff, right. if that's a big chunk of the movie, I don't know that I want to watch it. You know, that is like, viscerally upsetting to me, to see those giant animals... Careening through space and then landing in water, and I'm like, they don't, they can't swim. Well, like some, some of them spots. can't
1: swim, and the big armored ones obviously. But it, it
0: was much more upsetting to me than I thought it was going to be. Okay, um, okay. So, oh, horse head, horse horse head in the bed. That's what happens. Right,
1: but but that was again. <laughs> yes, you're right. It's been mocked so many times that I mean, it's like
0: effective. That dude is screaming right. like, quote
1: a woman. I mean, he is really doing the thing. I think that there's a a lot of neat little touches to that scene. The fact that he has an Academy Award on his nightstand. Mm -hmm. The fact that he has the world's most elaborate bed. But I think there's a duality to Gold sheets. Right. Oof. Why he's terrified. A, they killed his prize horse they paid so much for. B, they did that while he was asleep.
0: While he was asleep and then came into his house. Right. They came into his 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 house
1: with a horse's head. In other words, all this was accomplished, and he didn't know what was he going on. He didn't know what was happening. So it could have very easily been his head, you know.
0: Oh, yeah, 100%.
1: So that I think that was what he said. Oh, also,
0: uh, Fontaine gets the movie.
1: Right. <laughs> and we now have uh, From Here to Eternity as a result.
0: So then uh, we have the uh, the offer and the refusal. Right. That's the big one, right? Yeah, so...
1: That was something that also comes into the film. Make him an offer he cannot refuse. That yes. comes into the, That's a theme in the movie. But the, Typically
0: it's, mm-hmm. this thing happens or you die. Right. That's basically the offer that you can't refuse.
1: So we, uh, we switch from there to, it becomes what the story is really going to be about. That was almost like a prologue. It was. It and was the like, rest of this it, is who we're dealing with. Right.
0: Even Tom, who probably didn't do the actual no, slaying no, of no, the no, horse, no, no. right? But they have a reach in California because this mm-hmm. is in California. they are all located in the outskirts of New York, maybe New Jersey, yeah, they're not in the city, no, they're away a bit. Right. They definitely have to go through the turnpike and stuff, but I think they are in New York um yeah, go ahead,
1: but uh it goes on to, to the the Salazzo plot line, which is uh the uh, actual young Turk
0: yes, a young Turk.
1: um a drug baron Virgil Salazzo who is backed by the Totalia crime family, and uh, he's trying to involve Vito Corleone in the narcotics business, and the Corleone family has actually become very wealthy and very complacent yes. in gambling and in uh, apparently bootlegging at one point. B- yes, it, and through even alcohol,
0: through gambling, and through women.
1: Right, um, which I'm guessing is prostitution.
0: And what, what he wants isn't just money, isn't mm-hmm. specifically money. But the Corleone family has basically pocketed a large quantity of cops and politicians, Mm -hmm. and that's what they want. They want favor with cops and politicians to look the other way while they start running
1: drugs. Vito Corleone very, very rationally decides this is not for him because he feels it will actually turn the police officers and politicians that they've bought they see the vices as things that people will, you know, people will drink, people will gamble, people will need prostitutes. Well, need prostitutes. Ladies. Right. Um, we're very important. But these are vices. They're not something that can actually destroy a person or ruin families or right. you know or communities. It's, it's also gambling. the community. Gambling can to a limited extent, but yes, it's uh, actually eating communities alive. And there's a very disturbing scene later on where you find out. Uh, that one of the drug lords agrees to support or one of the uh, mafiosos agrees to support Salazzo as long as he keeps it inside the black community. Yes. Because they're so That's animals, at the to him. at
0: the round table right. later where they're like you won't be around children, you want, like nobody will sell mm-hmm. the children, like they're setting up rules, but that's um, after. So Vito in... basically is like I, I respect what you're doing and I respect mm-hmm. you. I am not going to agree to this
1: he doesn't actually respect him but he's, <laughs> he's no, a very but he wise man says it right and he says that at the same time as sending Luca who who is one of his trusted allies from back in the old days and um,
0: also very much a Lenny figure right he he's like a tragic figure to me legitimately because mm-hmm. i mean he's clearly a hitman right he's right. an assassin he is a person who kills people he's a very large man and a, with a very small intellect like right. Um, he is at the wedding scene he is you just see him practicing his speech thanking um don corleone for inviting him on the occasion of his daughter's wedding and he pra- he's practicing and he's practicing and you see him in the background practicing it over and over and over again he gets in front of don corleone and fucks it up <laughs> it's like oh no and it's
1: a pity i think that scene is more tragic because there's just such a lack of respect for him being this big scary goon And I think also that it reflects how complacent the Corleone family has become to where they're going to have Luca Brazzi as their spy. And this guy obviously does not have the wits to be uh, spying around and being inconspicuous because he's enormous, for one thing. Right. And he's supposed to report information. He does not survive very long because Salazzo's idea, as as supported by the Totalia family, is to take out the Corleone the Corleone's out of business. Out of business,
0: yeah. Or at
1: least to get rid of the old Don and let someone... Uh,
0: Younger. Well, because Sonny mm-hmm. at the meeting... Mm-hmm. Fucking Sonny says some shit that he says shouldn't have said in front of somebody that wasn't the right. family. Sonny showed interest. Right. And said it out loud, contradicting his dad in front of these other people. Right. Basically, and showing a way in, right, to the family. There's a way
1: in, which is... I think Sonny's actually responsible for a lot of what happens oh, later
0: on. 100%. Um...
1: But uh, so he sends Likabatsi, who does not survive very long.
0: He gets garrotted,
1: which is kind of horrible.
0: It is. It's a long yeah
1: strangling. I mean,
0: he's a large big man. guy, so it would take a long time. And at the same time, because so at the same time they've done this this coordination. Mm-hmm. So at That's the same time, Vito's going. I have to buy some flowers. I don't know what he's doing.
1: And he's taken for his bodyguard. Again, this is how complacent he's become.
0: His bodyguard's called in sick. Right. Which is apparently all, something has been happening mm-hmm. on the regular. And he's like, that's cool. Um, Fredo's like, I'm good to drive. And I'm like, y'all Fredo. have bodyguards for a reason.
1: Now Fredo's first scene, you see him at the wedding, he is drunk. So drunk. Absolutely drunk. And he's doing a great, the, the actor's doing a great performance as a, you know, basically... Just being kind of this drunk ne'er do well, and he must have had a great deal of self confidence, I think, to be able to play a part that limp, you know? Yeah. But um, so there's a hit on Vito. Yeah. And
0: he takes many shots. I think he's probably shot like five times. Yeah.
1: And at one point, the assassins are just shooting him point blank. Yeah. And his son comes out and is so incompetent that he actually can't physically hold a gun because he's shaking. That's right. And then instead of calling for help, he sits there crying while his father is yeah. being out. Yeah. So he's just Fredo is just not the person that you. Want. He's not gonna.
0: Well, he's certainly not gonna be in the lead, right? right? But then we um, are seeing the kids. Um, mm-hmm. Michael comes out of a movie theater and Kay points to the news- newsstand, right. which says that uh, Vito Corleone has been. Uh, assassinated. Might assassinated might have been assassinated and again
1: remember this is made to be sort of like an opera there's a very an op- operatic element there's a kind of a julius caesar kind of element to it that fredo that michael is rushing to him the same way that mark anthony rushes and gives a speech on the death of of julius caesar it's but it's done so that.
0: interesting that this is such a famous family in this area right this happens uh, i mean he finds out within an hour yeah and he doesn't have a cell phone <laughs> like like that's bonkers to me. But mm-hmm. it's it's a cool little thing. And she's like, You need to go home and he's like, Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna go to the family. Sonny's there. Sonny wants to blow everyone the fuck up. They're trying to call Luca Brazzi. Mm-hmm. They can't get a hold of him. In maybe one of the funniest lines of all time. I was they're like, Maybe he's shacked up with a woman. Mm-hmm. And one of the the dudes that works for them goes, Luca never spends the night. He leaves once he's done. I'm just like, how the fuck <laughs> did you know that?
1: Everyone is in each other's business. I up guess. in each other's business. There's it's kind of inexcusable and horrible. I, I yeah. Again, this starts the... Uh, the the attempted assassination of the catalyst were really all the things that happened afterwards.
0: And it is an attempted sa- yeah, assassination. Yeah. Vito is not dead.
1: No, he um, is not. He's in the hospital room. Michael goes to visit him.
0: No security.
1: Well, no, there was security before, <laughs> was. but when Michael arrives, there is none. The night that he arrives. And so he is able to... And here's where you get to see why he got to be a war hero. Mm -hmm. Because he's so calm and collected, Mm -hmm. guiding the nurse through getting this person. He came off to another room. This
0: nurse is like, you can't be here. I got rid of everybody, this, that, Mm -hmm. and the other. And he's like, look, they tried to kill him. They know where he is. We need to move him. Like, bitch, do you want to get shot? Because...
1: (laughs) He is very sharp and very calm. And And the the
0: nurse listens Mm -hmm. to him and does what he says, which I was a little surprised by. Well, because
1: at the the same time, there's a sort of... Obviously, the voice of authority is what he's using, and he looks like he's in charge. And so he's able to get his father moved to another room, and also the baker, who had earlier showed up in the film, who had asked a favor for getting uh, his assistant to stay in the country, because his uh, daughter wanted to marry the assistant. That's right. As he was going to go visit Corleone, and Michael marshals him to stand outside with him and pretend to be... Pretend, oh, put your hand in your pocket like you've got a gun. Right. And there's a wonderful scene where after... The and dudes drive by that clearly
0: right. are nefarious um, and they see them out there and they don't right. do anything.
1: And when the baker, when they pass the baker, pulls out his hand for a cigarette to light a cigarette. And he's just... He's trembling, but Michael is incredibly steady. Yep. So that tells He, lights you, his,
0: he And you right. can see it. He lights his um, his cigarette and his hand is...
1: Right. And Step this is the reason, uh, that's one of the reasons why, again, this film got referred to a lot in my screenwriting class, because there are little character bits that completely, and it also is not just the screenplay, but the fact that you have a world-class cast in yeah. this film. Yeah. So the assassination attempt is foiled, but Michael falls afoul of Captain Mark McCluskey,
0: Oh, such a dick.
1: (laughs) uh, This
0: giant Irish cop who hates Italians and mm. really just wants to tell you how much he hates Italians. Right. And it's. Punches, mm. one punches Michael in the face so hard he breaks his jaw. And Michael is rocking a Mm. bruise for most of the rest of the movie. Right.
1: There's a, and something that, you know, I, I mentioned to you this is Sterling Hayden. Who was like Robert Mitchum, one of the great outside leading men of the 50s and 60s? But he was such an outsider that he abandoned Hollywood at one point and just sailed a boat around the tropics. He's huge. He's six foot five. He's a big man. And so it's really believable when he just breaks his jaw that way. But he's a vile, racist cop who's on the payroll of probably the Totalia family. Because I don't think Salazzo yes, is paying for anything he, himself.
0: Well, no, that's probably true.
1: is—he spends most of the movie running around asking money from other people, so I don't yeah. think he well, has any Well, he's influence.
0: not asking, like I said, he's not just asking for money. Mm-hmm. He's asking for right. the protections and the ins and the influence that they have. Yeah,
1: but he's also, he's clearly not a power player inside this area himself yet.
0: Not yet. Um, um, but
1: he's quickly established himself by siding himself with you know, you think that Natalia is, and then there's something else going on. but
0: And then we find out um, oh, right before that, we, find we get a delivery of the bulletproof vest that Luca Brazzi was wearing, which is surra- uh, wrapped in fish.
1: Wrapped around a fish?
0: Wrapped around a fish. And which... which means it's the universal language where Luca Brazzi sleeps with the fishes. <laughs> So he did. And that was funny too because Michael had picked up the phone to call him again and you just hear him hang it up.
1: Again, there's very funny bits but you have all these actors who are interacting with each other and they're able, I think a lot of the bits of business were actually improvised
0: Yeah, because you did
1: have this kind of cast.
0: Yeah. And then we've got, they want to take out Salazzo and the cop. Right. Um, And Michael's like, I'll do it. And they're, and they talk about it and they set it up and this is where he's going to put... Uh, they're going to find out where he's going to meet them in mm. a public place and he, they're going to have a gun there because they know he's going to get pat down. And it's
1: important to to note it here as well that it's supposed to be a secret meeting place. Yes. Michael is going to visit them. And yeah, it's a things. secret
0: meeting place and they find out where it's going to be because they've got people in the police right, force. Right, the same
1: informants.
0: And the, and the captain has to say, because he's like... In charge of everything or whatever, Mm -hmm. he has to like log where he's going to be. So he's like, for two hours, I'm going to be at this restaurant. So they know where it's going to be. And they say, that's perfect for what we want. It's Mm -hmm. a small place. Nobody's going to look at you.
1: And here you see Sonny also trying to coach Michael through how to kill a person.
0: And Michael's like, "Fuck you, dude!" I don't know <laughs> you more.
1: So you see the difference between the the street smart. Michael character is and the
0: guy that holds the gun the way you're supposed to hold a gun. Mm-hmm. Sonny is the guy that tilts at ninety degrees.
1: <laughs> you know and, what I
0: mean? Like,
1: <laughs> yeah, it's, it's to James Kahn's credit that he just went, ran with playing this incredible hothead. Yeah, um, there's a very funny gesture that I'll, I'll mention later. It's not appropriate to it right now, but Michael eventually they they hide a. a, a a gun for Michael in mm-hmm. the bathroom.
0: So they taped the gun in there. And I was like,
1: mm. they're going
0: to take the gun behind the toilet. Which is what I think every other person who's ever hit a gun has done. Right. Like, I just kind of want to just go into bathrooms randomly and go, Because <laughs> right? this is where you put them. Um, and he goes out and just fucking bap bap.
1: Bada bing, bada bing, I believe. Is them what both.
0: Sense. In... The face. That is the face squibs that you were talking right. about. Like, he shoots McCluskey dead in the forehead. Right. Um, and nobody, that was the other thing, nobody would ever shot somebody that high up on the right. police. Like, heat was going to come down.
1: And the heat does come down. And but, they
0: say, before he walks out uh, the door, you can't come back. You got to go.
1: Well, Michael also do, uh, is smart enough to warn Tom Hagen to reach to the, out to the press. And to paint this... uh... Tell him how dirty he was. Right.
0: Show how dirty he was. Yeah.
1: And so you know that he has the entire skill set to take over this family and to do it properly.
0: So the idea is going to be to make him look worse and worse. Mm -hmm. thus making Michael look... Not as, Almost as bad. Almost as if he has
1: done a public service.
0: Not as bad. Yeah, right. this dude was gonna sell drugs to your kids, and right. this this cop was on the take. Right. Exactly. And so he's basically done a public service,
1: and and he has a perfect. I mean, but the they say of, he
0: won't be able to come back for right. two, for a year, and he gets and sent he was to assaulted.
1: So he was assaulted by a dirty cop and a drug dealer. So yes, there's no way of covering this because that's exactly what happened. Yeah. But they're exaggerating this. But there's a lot of um. There's a lot of open warfare at this point. Um, yeah,
0: Michael runs to Sicily. He he has to take shelter in Sicily. And then Fredo is shipped out um, to uh, work under Mo Green in Las Vegas. So he goes to Vegas to learn casino trade. And I don't know if they're planning at this point to maybe close down operations in New York and move the family to Las Vegas, but that ends up being what their goal right. is going to be.
1: And this is also there's a, a scene. I, I believe it's probably taken from older stock footage of The Strip back in the day. Oh yeah, that I'm comes sure. Into it.
0: And uh, Sonny's left alone to his own devices. Not really. Dad's there, but he's
1: recovering, still
0: convalescing. Right, um, and exactly. it's not really clear how much time passes in this part.
1: Yeah.
0: So Sonny is he wants to kill everybody. What he does do is attack his brother-in-law. Um, Connie's husband, because he goes to visit Connie and she is be up. Uh, she is pregnant, mm-hmm. like visibly pregnant, and her face is covered in bruises. Dude,
1: on the face, dum dum. Which is also wow. where James Caan does a little bit of overacting when he bites his hand to stifle. You know the. the oh, he does. He
0: does <laughs> that. Very, yeah, he bites his very knuckles Italian and, like, Kind of. Really,
1: nobody's
0: ever actually done that, dude. <laughs> right. He threatens to kill him if it happens again. He finds out that it happens again. And he, learning nothing Mm. from the shots his father took, takes the car and speeds off towards the city to go, apparently, to kill his brother-in-law. Yeah, ahead of his bodyguards. Does not wait for them. Mm. Gets in the car by himself. Drives himself to the toll booth. At the toll booth. They're waiting for him. And they murder him.
1: Right.
0: So, sunny,
1: out. Yes. Now, while this is going on, it's important because we made the jump. We're learning the story of Michael in Michael's Sicily. in
0: Sicily. He goes to the tiny village on the hill of Corleone.
1: Which is a beautiful village. It's
0: lovely. Uh, he falls in love with a woman who says no things to him. I mean, they show them talking, uh-huh. but you never hear. Like, you almost never hear her talk. Here's what you hear her say. You promised!
1: <laughs> well, this is... No, because this... And this is why it takes her over the course of time. He meets her, or he sees her. He's thunderstruck.
0: He sees her, and um. then they're like, we saw this woman, more Greek than Italian-looking, and then she's va-va-voom. And, and then you find out that they're describing this to a shopkeeper, and that shopkeeper is her dad. Right. And then fucking Michael... Smooth as a motherfucker. It's like, no, get him out. I want to talk to him. They're like, nah, you should. Like his bodyguards are yeah. like, you should go. Right. <laughs> like you have pissed him off. You should go. And his
1: bodyguards are more like his pals at this yeah. point than they you know. are the worst bodyguards. Right. We find out as it turns out really the worst bodyguards because later. But over the course of the, uh, of this extended scene, he's in Sicily. He marries her.
0: Well, let me let me because, finish what I was saying. Right. He wants to talk to the father of this woman, who now he is like this um, i'm marrying this woman like he's already got that in his head the man comes out of his business the man to whom he has i mean he has just offended this man Mm -hmm. by talking about his daughter the way that he has talked about his daughter and he is respectful but he stays seated which i think was like a huge baller move where he was like i'm not gonna get up
1: right
0: you're gonna talk to me i'm michael corleone Sound familiar? <laughs> right. And I'm not going to get up, but I want you to introduce me to your daughter.
1: Well, what he does, the way that he phrases it is... Um, and
0: I will watch, uh, under your su- to, family supervision, right. whatever you need me to do, but I want to meet your daughter. Right. Like
1: He introduces himself pretty much during when he's doing that as his son-in-law. He says that to the guy. Oh, Sorry. does he? Oh, right. in Italian? Well, no, he says... It oh,
0: because he doesn't do it in, in Italian. Right. He is speaking in English. He knows some Italian, I right. would say, is a is a fair
1: amount. <laughs> uh, he he makes that very clear what his intentions are, and then we're led to the, the montage of him courting the woman, and then later marrying her. Yeah. And then their wedding night, which <laughs> it's just very funny. Again, she doesn't speak much, but we get to see her naked. Uh Yes. Well, and at least then, the top of her. And then... Uh, and you're
0: look. I'm looking at
1: her and I'm like, is she
0: like 17? She's a very,
1: young, she's a very woman. young woman. And the only time, as you said, that you hear her speak is when she is He's driving He's teaching her, her to drive, her. yeah. And that winds up being the death of her because she is part of the assassination wave that happens with Sunny's death. Right,
0: when Sunny dies mm-hmm. at the same time, somebody right. has enlisted... And they're they're getting ready to get him out of the country because right. it's getting too hot. Yeah. Um. But somebody has enlisted those, uh, good for nothing bodyguards to go ahead and put well, a car one bomb. One of them
1: we know for sure is the other one seems to be drunk. We don't know the other right. one. We don't know, but one of movie. them for sure is responsible for Apollonia's death. planted
0: this car bomb. Mm-hmm. And uh, um, and Apollonia is like, I want to let me drive to you. I'll come pick you up. Mm-hmm. And as that's as she's yelling that to him from across the courtyard. He's watching the other bodyguard, like hustle ass, walk out of the mm. gate, and he knows what's going to happen. And he right. yells, "No!" But she starts the car, and right it explodes. So, so
1: he's that's his catalyst for coming back to the states. Well,
0: he was coming back anyways, right. but now he's coming back heartbroken.
1: Um, and he's he's coming in hot. He's not gonna. Um, he goes back there and he, he wants does, to... He
0: is, but Vito is not mm-hmm. hot. Vito is cool. Vito wants to make peace because mm-hmm. he's lost his son and he's an
1: old man. Well, he calls for a meeting of all the dons. Yeah. And realizing that Barzini is actually in charge. Now, Barzini, again...
0: The Tatalias are controlled by the Barzi- right. by
1: Don Emilio Barzini. Who's played by Richard Conti. He's
0: very good.
1: And he's very You funny. look at
0: his face and you go... That's a
1: bad guy. <laughs> Richard Conte did that a lot. When he's, a, he,
0: b- he's got a he bad was, guy face.
1: <laughs> he was, uh, there's a really funny joke, and it's a pity because um, Billy Crystal says it's passed out of meaning. Like, nobody will get the joke nowadays. But he said that one of his first routines was about having, you know, the Jewish kids play the Italian kids at basketball. Yeah, and he says the Italian kids had like crosses so big there were actual people on them. Oh, true. And their school was Our Lady of Richard Conti. Oh, interesting. And he said the joke will never play anymore. It's no, hysterical it's, to older people who yeah. get Richard Conti. You know? <laughs> no, but that's he's how sinister these people were. That's like their patron saint. So yeah, so um, they
0: come together. They have right. a round table, and basically, he's like, "I'm not going to seek the avenging of my son. Mm-hmm. You don't seek anymore. Like nothing that we do is going to bring our kids back." Right. I will not stand in the way of the heroin business, but let's not sell to children. Mm-hmm. So that's a that's a decision that's made. Oh, this
1: is the the piece that he makes with um,
0: the five families.
1: No, but he doesn't make it. it, it he thinks, or he's dealing directly with uh, Tatyana. Yes. And well,
0: because Tatyana is the one that says, right, "What are but, you gonna? Are you gonna come after me right. for killing your son?" And Sonny had killed his son, right. so that is why he did what he did. Exactly. Well, that was one of the reasons he did what he but
1: did. But it's like uh, Vito is wise enough, again, to know that even though he's making this public piece, Barzini is the one he's supposed to be watching out for the whole time. Or yep,
0: and we hear him <coughs> later, later, now I know Barzini mm-hmm. is in charge of this whole right. thing.
1: But it also, that happens... There's a, a temporary piece put up. Uh, Michael begins courting Kate again. Kay. Kay, I'm sorry, who's a school teacher at this point, I believe?
0: Yeah, she's a teacher, and uh-huh. he goes to her. I don't know if he goes to her because he needs the cover of Family.
1: There's a good question, because you, at uh, the way that... He
0: doesn't feel for her the way he felt for Apollonia. That's no. clear on his face and in his yeah. actions. I think he cares for her. There's... But it fe- she feels
1: like coverage. Part of the great part about Pacino's performance in this movie, and something that he lost later on when he's you know, doing the shouting, screaming, hail of bullets.
0: Pacino, Pacino.
1: Um, he, uh, he's
0: subtle in this movie, which is a thing he's that I never very knew. very
1: subtle and very crafty. Uh, yeah, you, you, your generation's Pacino, you didn't get that Pacino. You got the, the screaming Pacino, Right? <laughs> yeah, no. But the, the, this Pacino, the very crafty Pacino, what he's de- playing here you're not really sure what his motivations are when he's doing anything that he does. Yeah. And so, to me, it could be a sign that he needs a wife that will help fit into the establishment. Right. But he, he goes
0: to her with, right. and because she knows what his family does, right. and she now knows that he's working for his family, the very first and thing says, he says, we're going right. legitimate in five years. The first in thing five he years, says in the wedding be...
1: is telling her about the big band leader that mm-hmm. had to be threatened with death. Yes, And that's the first thing out of his mouth to her about his family.
0: Yeah, so he, well,
1: that we see. That we see. And and the
0: fact that she doesn't Mm -hmm. flee at that moment
1: means that she already knew. And this is something also about this film and people who like the film who talk about her innocence. And I'm never willing to buy that. I don't buy into the fact that she's innocent. I because don't think she she's knows, innocent
0: because she knows what
1: she, she knows. The where life this money is coming from,
0: she does. She knows where the money right. is coming from, and she knows the life that it's going to afford her. Right, and that's the life that she wants to have. And
1: she's a person used to privilege. She's a person used to a certain comfort, and she's going to get more than enough of that. Yeah, and so she goes into it with her eyes wide open. There's yeah. no excuses for her. Um, you
0: see, also the the first lady of the United States. Right. You have agency <laughs> in your life. I don't feel bad for you. Yeah, you yeah. made poor choices. That's on you. Sorry, I'll get out of the po- the politics now. But yeah, no. But it feels to me that he does care for her. Mm-hmm. Um, but
1: I don't know. I it's believe
0: mo- I would say seventy uh, thirty coverage.
1: I believe that he basically is buying a beard, so to speak. He's getting somebody right. who will be publicly acceptable, but
0: it's a person that he can
1: manipulate as well. Well, no. I know I, don't know. I feel like he can because he he did that to her before. I mean, maybe,
0: but I right. also think that mm-hmm. she's pretty smart, so he could have conversations with her. Right. He they get along. They like to do similar things. Like on his off time, this is not a person that he would dread spending time no. with. It's but, a question of
1: how much honest feeling does he have for her? That's him.
0: what I'm saying, 70/30. Again,
1: is it <laughs> You wonder, is, he, is this some sort of outreach of grief? After I think both that's
0: also part of it. Losing
1: both Sonny and Apollonia? I think that's also part and of it. And now he's moved, motivated by revenge, because you see, he can't take a slight. He had to very personally shoot McCluskey right in the head at point-blank range.
0: Well, he didn't have to, but it made the he, most
1: sense for him to. But do he it. did. It's like when it came to the chance to assassinating Salazzo... See, I think and...
0: you're le- you're bringing your knowledge of the next movie no, in no, because I don't think that just, that is a. The reads that I'm getting this watching
1: one. this film now is how he doesn't seem to be able to take a slight. He takes it very personally, and we see it later with Connie's husband. It's like, but he doesn't. He's not a hothead about it. No.
0: Well, no. He will let it simmer for. He will sit there and plan
1: for years because the next scenes that we see, he's planning an all-out war, uh, to the extent where he even alienates Tom Hagen. Yeah. Uh, And
0: and we don't. This is the weird part where mm -hmm. nebulous amounts of time has passed. Right. Exactly. So we see him with kids. So we're like, okay, well, those kids are like three. So about five years has passed, right? Mm -hmm. Like those kids are seven. So ten years have passed. The scene with the boy and the oranges mm-hmm. is 1955. Right. So this is early 50s. Ten years
1: that pass between the beginning of the film, but yeah, there's a he's making a plans. He he goes and visits Fredo, who's fallen under the influence of Mo Green, who is a really another hothead, Ray much like Sonny, slapping you know Fredo around. Fredo has no idea in how In
0: front of Fredo's family? That is ballsy, man. Right. You don't slap a, a man in front of his no, father? No, no. Right. That doesn't seem like a thing that's going to go and over very well. I believe
1: that he, Mo Green's sort of a stand-in for Bugsy Siegel. You that know. I don't, the sort of um, Jewish of my... gangsters who have built up Las, uh, Las Vegas before it was began to get run by mob families.
0: Yeah, they went out, and Michael is like, I'm, we're buying you out.
1: Yeah. And Mogren is like,
0: "I'm oh like, fucking hell, you right. are. Um,
1: but again, Michael... And at this time, mm-hmm.
0: Tom has lost the position of consigliere. Right, he's, he's just a family attorney now.
1: But I don't... The, the, again, this is part of the manipulations because he's not really out. He's just out so he can keep an eye on what else is going on. But and I think also, he's
0: also kind of out because mm-hmm. you do see that scene where he's like, why are you... Why am I out? Right. And he's like you're not a war time. You're not the one that's going to decide who gets killed next. That's not your jam. Well,
1: he also to some extent wants to spare him because he says I don't want you to be a part of what's going to happen. Yeah. And no. these long simmering plans he has. Yeah. And this is very Machiavellian. He's now moved into Oh yeah. This the so we go from there to 1955 as he said. Yeah. And Vito has a fatal heart attack.
0: Right? Yeah, he's playing with yeah. his grandson. In and there's the a yard.
1: great subtext to that scene because he's playing with his grandson he puts an orange in his mouth and starts making scary monster faces and the kid starts to cry and immediately he takes it out and we as the audience know that he actually is a monster <laughs> you know
0: he is but also he isn't
1: but then at the same time I don't
0: think he- to so be. he pulls
1: the orange out, so look, I'm not a monster, but right. we know that he kind of is kind and he of kind is. of isn't Yeah, at the same time. Because
0: we don't see, yeah. I think that's the second movie that we see right. more of his, because by this point he mm. wants to live in comfort right. and
1: relative peace. He, that is right, all exactly. he wants at so this the point. So the point that we see at this point in his life, he's not, but we get these flashes especially from Michael's stories, about how willing he is to kill people who get in his way. Yeah. And so we know that he has the ability to do that. And you can
0: see when people come to talk to him, they are afraid of him. Yes. Like, the people that know him.
1: He no longer has to personally kill anybody, but people die when he says no. and Unfortunately, it's some poor horse. Yeah. But... um, so he has a heart attack, and that seems really pastoral and kind of lovely. It know? is,
0: yeah. And yeah. He, um, uh, grandpa, grandpa. Right. Oh,
1: it's very sad. It's very sad. And for,
0: the, for the kid to have to do that. Uh, and that's uh, Michael's son.
1: Right. And at the funeral, we see Barzini again, and he wants to arrange a meeting, which seems really tasteless to at the funeral try to announce. He that wants he a to
0: arrange a meeting, but this is
1: mm-hmm.
0: the culmination of a prior conversation that right. Vito and Michael had had, and he said, what there's a mole in the organization and whoever it is is going to set up a meeting with you and Barzini. Right. They're going to make it so it seems like you are safe, but they're going to try and take you out.
1: Now this in itself leads to one of the great pieces of cinema ever. Yeah. No, was, it was really... It was incredibly influential and beautifully composed.
0: It felt like like an operatic version of the um, Silence of the Lambs switcheroo. Mm-hmm. That's what it yeah. felt like, where you think you're seeing one thing, or or yeah. you're seeing one thing, but you're also seeing the other thing at right. the same time. So um, Tessio, Abe Fogoda,
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, wants to set up this meeting, and then we know Tessio is the one... And they thought it was going to be. Uh, some people were like, "Oh, I thought it was going to be the other. What was the other guy's name? Such so with a C. C." Tessio. Clemenza. And yes, and Clemenza are like the two. Um, they're underlings, but they've been with the family for a super long time. Like
1: mm-hmm.
0: Evergo has been. And they've an asked old permission man, to break farmer. away at other points. They've yeah. ad- asked permission to break away from the family and start their own right. syndicate. I guess.
1: They want to be franchisees,
0: and yes, exactly. And but they know when Tessio does sets goes to set Mm. the meeting that he is the the bad guy. And at the same time, Connie has asked Michael to be the godfather of her next child. Um, Meanwhile, Michael's right hand man is her abuser, right? Right. And Um, the
1: person whose abuse. The second scene of abuse, and for people who are sensitive to that, Oof. yes. it's it, The camera's not flinching. It's basically there as an observer in the room. Right. Well, he, then
0: they go to another a room. Second and you just hear it. Beats just the second time, beats the daylights out of her. Beats the daylights out of her. And time, she's also pregnant right, in this scene. Right. And state.
1: that second time is done specifically to get Sonny to run out from wherever he's right. hiding. Because they're being sequestered most of the time. Yeah. To expose himself and to get killed. So he played a part in it. But. The scene I'm describing is the scene where we're both baptizing and giving communion to.
0: Yes. So it's it's basically the last big scene in the movie. Mm -hmm. It's not the last scene in the movie, but it's definitely the climax. Everything Mm -hmm. else is denouement, where, yes, Michael Corleone is standing up in a church Mm -hmm. denouncing Satan, (laughs) right? and then we are watching his plans at the exact same time going down where... Everyone is dying. He kills the heads of every one of those families.
1: He kills Mo Green. He kills Barzini. And it's ruthless the way that he goes along it. Do you
0: renounce Satan? I do. And then just (laughs) murder. Just just violence.
1: Highlighting his hypocrisy, highlighting his. And something that.
0: And his comfort of lying in a church,
1: y'all. Which is. And I know that we're not going to see Godfather 3 right? That wasn't something no, that No, it wasn't playing on um But one thing that I really like about that film is that he gets a comeuppance where he tries to go legit at the end of that film and he confesses to a priest who refuses to give him absolution because he consciously sins. Okay. And therefore, so there's a... There's like a good, you
0: stood here and right,
1: knowingly you, lied. You lied. And um, it's a beautifully done scene because you can see...
0: And... He uh-huh. was. His hand has not been forced to do no, this. No, 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 he's not. He's just like, you know what? I'm done. I'm done with all of this. Right. And he kills, yeah, every, five heads of family and Mo Green. And then...
1: He was shot through the glasses. That was a bizarre kind yes.
0: of... Uh, be, well, he was being massaged?
1: Wasn't yeah, he, he was on the massage massaged. table? And he's shot through the glasses. He puts on his glasses just to get shot through them, which is... Again, considering that it's a practical effect, an amazing gag, because the squid must have been so close to To his eye. eye. Ooh. Like, yeah. Um, like, yeah, I don't like that.
0: And then Tessio is dealt with. Mm-hmm. He's he asks if he could sort of be let off.
1: For old time's sake and like no. And they're
0: like, just nah, business. You're you're gonna die. Yeah, right. it's
1: business. Which um, is the scene that Norm Macdonald reenacted uh, that with oh, Al when he was a guest Which, star, right? And
0: and that was another thing that we had um, uh, missed from before. While they were cleaning up after Vito was shot, mm-hmm. they take his um, bodyguard who was MIA right. the day of the shooting, and they take him out to a field and they shoot him. Right, exactly. That's the take the gun, leave the cannoli scene. Thanks, Tom Hanks. Michael talks to Carlo, his stepbrother, uh, Connie's brother, Connie's husband, gross, (laughs) Connie's husband, Um, and he confesses that he set Sonny up to be murdered by Barzini's men, and then he kills him.
1: The fact that he forces him to confess before he kills him, and then lies to his face about how, you know, the confession actually will... This will
0: absolve you, and you'll be fine.
1: And it doesn't. Sounds like a cop. Right. And,
0: <laughs> and then Connie loses her mind because Connie is just such a mess. And she's like, You killed everybody. You're behind it all. And and she's like, Kay, he did it. He's evil. Final and scene. then Kay is like, Did right. you do it? And Michael's like, Nope. And right. she's like, Phew
1: <laughs> And it, which makes you wonder how wilfully ignorant Kate is about everything.
0: Well, and then she's mm. look then people start coming in right. and they're kissing the ring. They right. go in and they're kissing his hand and, and so prostrating then, themselves right. to him. And then they close the door and she's seeing all this and she's like, oh, fuck!" <laughs> yeah, but I'm in it now.
1: Right. You ain't getting a divorce, girl. Like, you in. Well, I don't, yeah, I don't think you can. No. No. What are you going to do? You, you know, are going to be part of the family. You've seen Or how you how are going people, to be
0: dead. Those
1: are your options. Right. There's uh, the expression in Spanish, uh, plato plomo which the drug lords used to use, silver or lead. You know, you have two choices. Mm -hmm. You either take the money or you take the lead. Yeah. Um,
0: So this movie is three hours long mm -hmm. and did not feel three hours long. No,
1: because there's so much going on. And there's a lot of individual set pieces. Yeah. And there's all sorts of story arcs that begin and end, like the whole thing with uh, Johnny Fontaine. Yeah. Uh, There are,
0: yes. Yes. Story. It's almost like a bunch mm-hmm. of short stories.
1: Right, and then we go into the Barzini and Salazzo story. Then Salazzo gets killed, and then it becomes. Well, no, it's. Uh, I guess it's the wedding, the first story arc. Then it's uh, the uh, Frankie his story arc. Yeah. Then it becomes the arc of Salazzo. Then it becomes Michael in Sicily, and so it has yeah, these individual Yeah, and it's also like who
0: we're following uh, all of them. Mm-hmm. It is a true. Ensemble situation. Um, Now, when you read the logline, you know that Michael's going to be the one at the end.
1: And I'm sure that to audiences who weren't familiar with the book, there might have been some doubt as to who to emerge as a leader.
0: Right. Um, I mean, Obviously, it's not Fredo. Sonny's coming up hot Mm. and seems like he's not going to be long for this world because he just doesn't think before he acts.
1: He doesn't have a, a filter. He doesn't have... He can't not act, and Michael is the one, again, who can simmer for years and take years to make a plot, and then... Because I do think he was waiting for Vito to die before he unleashed his wrath on everybody. But yeah, I, I, it's it's interesting watching the film. Holy balls! Adult. I
0: but did not know that Kay was Diane Keaton until literally right now. You did not know. I didn't know. First of all, she seemed way taller than Diane Keaton ever mm-hmm. is. Also, I only ever see Diane Keaton in a hat.
1: <laughs> Al Pacino is not particularly tall. Like Dustin Hoffman, he was one of the...
0: I want to rewatch the movie and see... Because she did not look like... Di- and I've seen Annie Hall, so I've right. seen a young Diane Keaton. I did not know it was Diane Keaton until right now.
1: Oh Holy balls. Tell right.
0: you I... Shire when you were... I was like, is that Adrian? <laughs> so, so she's been in this and the Rocky series, and... Yeah.
1: Well, then she did a lot of character acting, but she moved to be a producer, and, and she had a lot of success there. I was watching a, a, a horror film with her and Robert Foxworth called Prophecy, and it was just weird watching her going, Achim. She's only produced three things. But she was, I think, what was the other things? Wait.
0: The Landlady, Lionheart, and Hyper Sapien? People from Another Star.
1: Oh, yeah. she was a, Well, I mean, she was a, one of the early female producers. I don't know how much further her career got, but there was a big deal made about it at the time.
0: Um oh interesting. Yeah, no, but actress in seventy credits and she's still working. Mm-hmm. Um oh she's in Grace and Frankie. That's awesome. I that's haven't a whole seen that show, but I like the idea are, of yeah. that show. Um yeah, but no, I did not realize it, that it was Diane Keaton the entire time. Yeah, that we were that's
1: so it. funny. I, I would have thought that Nope. Okay.
0: Also, she was blonder than I think I've ever seen. She's also styled
1: even. to look like an, a a person in night or woman in 1945. So that's that might true also too. She in. had
0: a lot of hair. Uh-huh. She had a fair faucet situation going on, even though it was supposed to be the 40s. Like there was a lot of
1: well, it was the 70s version of the 40s. Puffiness.
0: Um, yeah. So I feel dumb. There we go. And. Yeah, okay. So that's The Godfather. We did it. (laughs) I'd seen, uh, yeah, no, every scene, Mm -hmm. even though I was like, oh, I think I know what's going to happen, it kept my attention the whole time. Like, I was super into it the whole time. I'm a little nervous about The Godfather part, too, because it's three hours and 22 minutes long. Mm -hmm. That's a bananas amount of time.
1: It is. Uh, I, I'm not sure if it's, I don't remember it being as engaging in the same way, but there's just as much in terms of story going on. And there's a lot of, um, because you get two threads to a story. Yeah. It's paralleling the, the, the father and the son. Right. So, um, yeah, I'm, you'll probably find it just as interesting.
0: Yeah, I'm intrigued. And all of these movies are currently on Netflix, all three right. of them. So we could watch all, all of them. Um, we might, we're going to do a show, I think our next show is going to mm. be on Godfather Part 2. That's the plan.
1: Because you probably want to get it, uh, well, it's still fresh in your mind, you can remember all the connections That's between the two films. That's
0: true. I can look at it and be like, mm. is that you, Diane Keaton? Right. It is you. Now you'll
1: know it's Diane Keaton going into. I'm really surprised that you didn't know that was <laughs> I her. did
0: not know. And it's like her first thing. Right. Um. Yeah, no, I, I no idea.
1: I think she overdoes it sometimes for me in this part. I don't think she's really sympathetic so, towards I really, to
0: I don't know if I'm going to blame her or blame the fact that just Francis Ford Coppola was like, get this broad to do her thing and then get her off the set. Like, I just so few women in this movie. It is, it's upsetting to me a
1: little well, bit. Well, and, and it's, watching it now, I can see your complaint. They're completely peripheral to everything except as the object of desire. Yep. Or You're someone, here to, yeah.
0: to for me to put my dick in. Like, that's it. Whether it's for pleasure or for making babies, that is what it's for. <laughs> and it's like, really, <laughs> like,
1: yeah, I, I, I,
0: we has brains even in 1945, right? Mm-hmm.
1: I don't. Uh, I think that Kay Katie later on are. smart, smartly. <laughs> Kay later on shows some sort of agency in herself, but yeah, there isn't much in this first film. Yeah, it's really about the men and what they're doing and how they shut the women out of their culture. Yeah. And there might be more in the next film. Interesting. Okay. I wonder if that was a complaint at the time that there was
0: unlikely, but I don't know. I um I will actually look that up. But okay, do you want to do recommendation? Sure. What do you have to recommend? There's so
1: much. Um, the new recommendation would be Jessica Jones.
0: Oh, good, because I was gonna have to do two if you didn't say Jessica Jones,
1: Um, which I was getting through the season two, season two, and it is really it's an all female directing staff. I believe.
0: I think that's right.
1: Um, and it's interesting in watching how you're diverted. Uh, the difference between what maybe a male director would emphasize and what a female director would emphasize. Yeah. There's a love scene in the, in the show where you get to see, instead of a lot of you know hard bodies, you just see a woman's face while she's enjoying herself. And
0: also, and, at no point during that scene, is someone thrown up against the wall. No. Yay. Not
1: at all. Um, <sighs> Which is, yeah, that's one of Even my Even though pet
0: one of them is high on a drug that m- would make that actually like, a feasible thing. Co-
1: contextually accurate. But, um, no, yeah, that's always been one of my pet peeves. Why are people being slammed into walls? You know that's what I sexy. do? I do martial arts. People slam into walls, they get hurt. Yeah. <laughs> that's basically what happens. I don't get it. But, um, but anyhow... Uh, And I'm really enjoying this season. I think the characters are interesting. It's taken an interesting twist from last season.
0: It is, yeah. Um, And I was concerned mm. because Kilgrave was such a good villain from Mm. season one. David Tennant played an incredible villain. And, Mm. sorry, minor spoiler alert, he does not appear in this season for (laughs) reasons. And um,
1: His character in the first season is... And this is something I think we've discussed with um, Christopher Lee said, uh, well, Christopher Lee, Ian Fleming was his um, unc-cousin, I think. Unc-cousin? Unc- <laughs> oh, was he uncle it was he his cousin? I can't remember.
0: No one's fact-checking But yeah. Lee
1: said uh, that in speaking to Ian Fleming, he goes, the the thing about the Bond stories is really the villain. It yeah. centers on the villain. If the villain isn't good, it won't hold together. because yeah,
0: Bond is just... You know,
1: he, well, he has to nothing. act he against to, something. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah.
0: On his own, he's
1: well. On his own, he's yeah. Nothing. His whole well, <laughs> I wouldn't say that, but his whole purpose. Mm-hmm. Is he
0: he likes to eat a food.
1: He likes to eat a food. He to have he,
0: sex with a lady. That's
1: basically, he's just a person who loves, this gives him the excuse to put he'd his... He'd
0: be like super fat if he didn't have
1: <laughs> villains. I think that it goes beyond that. He needs to be very close to dying all the time. That's the character you get yeah. from the book.
0: He'd probably just kill himself. He would be a like, thrill seeker. In a, Yeah. Right.
1: He would be jumping off a building. Right, exactly. I'm so. like,
0: he'd be, yeah, mm. he'd be the one that splats from, um, what is the diving off of the, I can't remember. The cliff diving? No, just off of a building where you like parachute off of a building. Hey guys,
1: don't do that. But, um, and so what you get a sense is (laughs) base jumping. The food (laughs) and the women to bond are kind of his way of
0: making this gray life less gray.
1: Well, not just that. It's also making it so that all of his experiences become intensified because he's going to, he's just made a, yeah, a resolution that he's either going to survive or die. Or die, right. So he's not going to be the character. He's basically suicidal a lot of the time. Feels like, yeah. And so it really depends on the villain to carry the weight of the story. It's like, how bad is this person to where we need to send in the guy whose life is constantly in danger? Right. And so with Kilgrave, you got a person who was completely, totally, irredeemably evil. Evil, yeah. And he joins a handful of villains, I think, in the very first of the Dirty Harry movies. The psycho killer that Andy Robinson plays was no, just no absolutely evil. There's no redeeming factor to him at all. So it was. I don't think they could have followed that up with another villain, and they chose a very interesting way to go in this season. Yeah,
0: this season's really good. We're not done. We're mm-hmm. ten episodes of thirteen, I yeah. think. Yeah.
1: So, but yeah, it was. I'm just really but amazed. But the other thing done.
0: is, this is the first Marvel. Netflix series, they're all 13 episodes long. Mm -hmm. Every one that they've done from the first Daredevil through now, there's usually a dip. There's usually a two to four episode dip. Mm -hmm. It was a little bit different in The Punisher where it was just the first six episodes were a slow ramping Mm -hmm. up. But in all of the other seasons, it was like a strong four, a weak four, Mm -hmm. a strong five. Like that's (laughs) the way that um, they have sort of typically Except for been. Iron
1: Fist, which was just sort of slow, slow, slow. Yeah.
0: Martial arts, bad martial arts. Oh, sad. But this one has mm. been strong. I think every episode's yeah. been strong. So It's been
1: strong, and there's a really strong point of view.
0: And I... James...
1: Yeah.
0: um, ...had posted on Facebook something along the lines of, ah, that, se- that point in the season of Jessica Jones where I fall in love with Malcolm. <laughs> He's so lovable and handsome.
1: Doesn't make good choices. Well... At this point. And I, I think. He's the, a child. The tragedy though, I think. to that character is that he his life got ruined and it wasn't. It his wasn't his fault, fault. Yeah. Which is, a, you know.
0: Ooh, somebody make you do all those drugs? Mm, mm, yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, no, Jessica Jones, very good. And Kristen Ritter, I never cared one way or the other Isn't about her before this character. I really think she's doing.
1: She's doing really, really good work, work in this. Right. Yeah, um,
0: I and, didn't dislike her. I just was
1: like, and she, okay. She reminds me of Barbara Steele. So yes, yeah, <laughs> so for good reason.
0: My thing is going to be "A Winkle in Time." It's so nice. It's about love and how love will conquer. Also, it's an uplifting story starring fantastic children. Right. And people of color.
1: No, I'm very, I have a few more now, reservations about Yes. That. So
0: I have uh-huh. never read the books. Right. So I came to it blank slated. I started reading them in February. I got sixty pages in, but I've been having some concentration issues with my reading. So I just that right. was as far as I could go. And it's not the fault of the books, it's the thing that's going on with me. So I was like, "Well, I'm. I don't want to necessarily force myself to read it, and then be sitting in the movie like, they changed this. Right. This is different. Why is this different? They changed it. and I don't like it." No, that you're wasn't not saying
1: that I'm doing that. You're just saying that. that no, could have been but
0: that's not how I wanted to right. approach the movie. So, for me, mm-hmm. knowing that this is a children's movie, right, exactly. I enjoyed it very much. Mm-hmm. That's what I will say. I, th- I thought it was uplifting. I thought the kids were very good. Um, I w- wanted to stay in each location longer, but I understand why they didn't. So it would have either taken locations out, which I don't think they could have afforded to do, right. or made it unbearably long, as it was. It was the right length, I think. Um so yeah, I liked it. I, and you never stop saying I love you and then you'll win.
1: <laughs> I appreciated it. And I appreciated the fact that a lot of the major set pieces from the book are there. If you're looking for the scene of the bouncing balls, if you're looking for the scene where they go off to the other planet and, um, with these beautiful kind of angelic beings that are all flying. Yes, those scenes are there. The scene where she reclaims her brother is done exactly as it is in the book more mm-hmm. or less. So a lot of it is intact. The omissions bother me because that's what made the book so unique in some ways. And I I don't think the change um, in the race of the children makes a huge difference at all.
0: I don't think it makes... Any difference. Now, like I said, I haven't read the book, um, so I don't know. And
1: remember, it's one of the series of books. So you're, you're again, I, I got as far as the third book, and it follows their family for generations, frankly. Okay. As it goes on. because They
0: take out two kids. Yeah, they
1: take out the two kids, and the two kids wind up becoming heroes much later on down the series of books. Okay. All of Madeline Engel's books are interconnected i okay. given her young adult fiction that has no fantasy elements to oh, it. Oh, sort
0: of like Stephen King has like right a, like a universe right. that he's writing. More or less,
1: Ed Rice Burroughs did the same thing, but all of his worlds were so fantastic it made sense. But um any anyway. No,
0: I thought it was I liked that it wasn't just white kids.
1: Right. And I I appreciate that because it's a different time that we're dealing with. It would have been just as impactful to have any little girl there, but This actress really carried the part. Yeah.
0: Her name is Storm, and she's awesome. She
1: is really good. I didn't care too much for her, the little boy playing... Charles Wallace? Yes.
0: I liked him very much, and I Mm -hmm. thought he did have the gravitas to pull it off, but once again, I don't know what the book says. But I thought on the screen, he was great.
1: And I I did like... I think that there were... And
0: I think one of the reasons that I I, I just want to... Because I think we talked about it a little bit, but I want to say this. They got a child. He is maybe seven. Right. He's playing five. I'm glad that they didn't get a better actor mm-hmm. at the expense of age because I think it's important that he be very small. And especially because I think they changed. A, uh, in the book, I believe dad's been gone for a year. In the movie, he's been gone for four. And Charles Wallace basically has zero. R- Recollection of him. Also, because he was adopted into the family just mm. before he died, or not da- died, he disappeared before right. dad disappeared, um, which adds a separate thing where he doesn't have this connection mm. and uh, this memory.
1: I'll put it this way there's a, a range of books that I grew up with where the books were done justice and where they were ruined. This Ringle in Time is made for. Well, okay, here we go. The scale starts, the top of the scale would be Bridget Terabithia, where they did just a beautiful adaptation of that book. And the bottom of the scale would be Tuck Everlasting, where one of the best children's books ever written has an all-star cast of amazing actors, and they just blow it. How do you blow William Hurt and Ben Kingsley and Sissy Spacek in a movie and just have it be that dumb? Oh, wow. Um, Probably by giving them less screen time than Alexis Bledel and some random kid that I don't know.
0: Yeah, and as much as I've watched a lot of Gilmore Girls. Uh, Alexis Bledel can be very wooden.
1: Well, she basically is not, she's not the...
0: And I haven't read that book either, that so book I don't, and, and I haven't seen the movie. Part but.
1: of the appeal of the book is how beautifully written it is, and I think that would be difficult to capture, but at least follow the book somewhat instead of trying to make it appeal to tweens, modern tweens, just sort of, You have a classic story. Just go with it. It's bizarre enough as it is. Right. But no, I enjoyed A Wrinkle in Time. I think it was geared towards people much younger than me. Right. A lot of children... It's a perfect children's movie. Um, I don't think it's a film that was intended for the whole family. It really is intended to carry a message to children is that it succeeds.
0: Yeah, and a lot of the people that were um, rating it on the poorer side Mm -hmm. were like, it's too... Positive, like it's too. Everything's gonna be okay. It's too, like, and I'm like, I think kids and also me mm-hmm. need that sometimes. Right. Like, shit is bleak in the world.
1: And we saw it in the full house. A f- yeah, full there theater. were a lot
0: of people and in the theater. And there was people
1: who uh, were young, people who were older, people who grew up with the book, and and I, I think it still it, it wins on that side. I think Reese Witherspoon runs away with some of her scenes. She's really she's very, very funny. good
0: in it. And Oprah's doing some good work,
1: right? But I think Oprah, unfortunately, gets to be is playing Oprah almost in a way,
0: right? Yeah, she couldn't have been either of the other ones for sure. Right? She's the one who just shows up, towering above all of them. Oh, am I the wrong size? I don't know, Oprah. Are you?
1: (laughs) And so I think that are you hurting
0: your neck, (laughs) craning it, looking down at us? You're very tall right now.
1: There's a, But I think the film actually works. I, I, I appreciate it. It's not the same as what I grew up with. But again, no. what I grew up with is going to have to change over time. Well,
0: and also, I, I like to think of it as an adaptation, right? It is right? an
1: adaptation. But it is a good adaptation that works, that tells the story. As oh, as I said, I'm like... I
0: didn't love the music. And I think, I think you had the same... A I, the problem. feeling that
1: I have is that the director is not familiar with how to deal with this kind of material. No, yet. she
0: does... Like dramas. serious drama stuff and documentary. This is the first so sort of very fantasy type thing mm-hmm. that she's done. She does a good job. Well, I don't read think a, she does do a good job. I have an interview with
1: her, with New Yorker, where she describes how this is going to be the fantasy world as seen through a woman of her experience and yeah. her background. And we don't get to see that enough. Because no. Because we get to see a lot of sort of fanboy universes yep. where Princess Leia is in a metal bikini. Yep. Um, see, Ready Player One. Uh which is
0: through several fanboys' eyes. (laughs) Right. So
1: this was interesting. I will also be
0: going to see that movie, so that's fine.
1: (laughs) This is interesting seeing it from the point of view of a woman who didn't have the benefit of the same things or even the same background um, that I had. Because, as I mentioned in the book, the it, the horrible it, is represented at one point by a throbbing brain, which is a very 50s science fiction kind of trope. So that's the sort of thing that I say...
0: Hey all, it's Amity here in the editing part of the podcast life cycle, and I'm popping in here because towards the end of our record, I was distracted by a turtle with a phone case. My distraction threw off Lemuel, Lemuel's thrown offness caused me to stress out, freak out, blow everything up, and keep us from recording the end. So this is where I come in, apologize, sorry everybody, and uh, do our social media. We have a Facebook group, uh, the Latecomers fans. We have a Facebook page, because I still haven't figured out the difference, uh, the Latecomers. I'm on Twitter, at Amity Armstrong. The podcast is on Twitter, at LatecomersPod. I can be and we can be reached on Gmail at latecomerspod at gmail.com. I'm gonna let the love theme take us out. And I will say thank you very much for listening. Uh, we're lis- we're watching the Godfather Part 2 next week. So if you're following along, if that's your homework. We will be watching it on netflix in its three hour and 22 minute glory so we'll see you next week when we talk about that and remember better late than never
1: thank you